Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvroski. On this week's episode, tech leader and the co-founder of Microsoft's LEAP program, William A. Adams joins the show. We talk about purpose-driven leaders, how the LEAP program has made an impact in finding great, diverse talent, and the need for Leadership 2.0 in order for us to be successful in the future of work, and also (laughs) what that future of work is going to look like in 2050. It's a great discussion, so I really hope you enjoy it. And also, please share it with any leaders in your life. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. And as I mentioned before, leave us a rating and review and share it with any folks who are looking to increase their leadership impact. We at Elite High Performance specialize in building high-impact leaders who turn their teams into happy, high performers that achieve their goals. If that sounds like you, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com and check us out. We have leadership development programs, one-on-one high-performance leadership coaching, DEI, psychological safety, talent optimization, keynote speaking, and more. So head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com so you can turn your team and your business into great 2.0 leaders who are set up for the future. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And here's the interview with William A. Adams. We are back in the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always, the yin to my yang out in sunny Toronto. Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I feel like I got to celebrate that because I've been moaning and groaning like the rest of Toronto the last couple of episodes about when the heck is summer sun actually going to appear or spring, spring weather mm-hmm. actually going to arrive but, oh, yeah, that's right. It's here. And so now I got a little extra octane. So watch out, y'all. Here I come. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, we have to kick this show off with a quote. Oh, yeah. And where I want to start today is a quote from Marianne Williamson. And oh, she says, the ego says, once everything falls into place, I will find peace. The soul says, find your peace, and then everything will fall into place. Oh, my gosh. Did you just pick this after we did a mindful minute? (laughs) And the yin and yang. (laughs) Right? Now you're feeling why we call ourselves that. And there we are. And that voice, a Mm -hmm. incredibly special guest, William A. Adams. William, how are you? I'm doing great. And as you were talking about the whole whinging about the weather, it's like, yeah, here in Seattle, it's the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's like having seen, well, we've seen the sun, but it's, it's just crazy, right? It keeps flipping between, well, is it going to snow today or should I wear short sleeves and shorts? Yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. We had a snowstorm on Easter, William. Oh. I know. That's why we were feeling so much pain. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of wacky here, too. Not quite as, as dramatic as that, but yeah. <laughs> Ready for the sunshine. So, just, William, yeah. you, ha- you have to get our, our party started for us. I know our audience out there is just dying to know everything about the man behind the voice. Would you be so <laughs> kind as to share a little bit about yourself with our audience? Well, so um, so my name is William Adams, and I've been alive on this planet for 57 years. I've spent the last 24 at Microsoft. Um, I'm a lifelong um, computer geek kind of guy, and I've built software, built teams, lived in India, built uh, hiring programs. Uh, I just do all sorts of things around tech, and now I'm focused on uh, just helping uh people of typically people of color women and minorities get and build um tech companies so they can get acquired so they can get rich so they can have intergenerational wealth so that's that's why i'm in a nutshell and obviously we have to go there so what put you <laughs> what what put you on that mission oh well it goes all the way back to childhood but most recently um it's just awakening, you know. I mean, if you're uh, back to the yin and yang and, and the soul and the, and the ego, uh, I would say my awakening has occurred over the last 15 years where I just kind of, if you're a tech person, you're in your head a lot, you know, because you're writing code. Um, and that doesn't make you socially inept, but I, I'll say that I was socially unaware. Um, but just over the last 15 years or so, I just slowly woke up to the realities that I have uh, something to give to people. Uh, and not just my own career and code and the computer. And that awakening started when I went to India in around 2006 or seven. And my, my job there with Microsoft was to train our engineers how to be better engineers. So I did that for about three years. And then I slowly, and when I came back to the States, I did a, eventually I did a program called Microsoft Leap, which is essentially an apprenticeship program for women and minorities to get jobs. Um, in the company. And at first it was just kind of an engineering thing. It's like, ah, crack the, crack the diversity problem, William. It's like, all right. <laughs> you know? oh, I love that. But as I got into it, it's like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't just a job. This isn't a, I should I or should not do this. This is a, I must do this. Um, because me being uh, a black guy, in case you haven't seen me, in the US, it's like, well, there's not so many of us who have risen to a certain level within a tech company where we have enough credibility to cause a change like that, right? And to crack through, you know, don't hire, don't lower the bar, and they're not qualified, you know, crack through all that stuff and get people into those positions. And now it's seven years later, and um, we've hired hundreds of people through that program. Um, and so going forward, my mission is just continuation of that, where I look back on my past and child of the 60s, seeing civil rights activists and all this sort of stuff and going, OK, maybe it's my turn. Maybe I must do this. Maybe I should not just retire to the beach with all my millions of dollars from tech. And instead, I should put my hand back and help pe- pull people up on my back and shoulders and say, all right, now it's on to the next step, just like I stepped on the backs of the people before me. So that, you know, in short is, is the, the story. It's like, it's just an awakening um, and an ability and a desire and a, and a calling that has made me go, oh, 
it's my it's my turn, <laughs> right? This is my civil rights moment, and people will be looking back on me and going, "Yep, we stood on his shoulders," right? So that's what it is. Oh my gosh, so much to dig in here uh, or dig into rather. Uh, but where I want to start with you, William, I obviously want to hear so much about this Leap program. This sounds incredibly. I want to say disruptive, but I know nowadays that word doesn't necessarily hold the right associations for everybody. It's listening. positively disruptive. How's it's that? It's positively <laughs> disruptive, but I want to I want to go back a step because I kind of feel like you found yourself to be a leader all yeah. of a sudden throughout this awakening that you had, which I kind of want to know more about too. But tell us, what does leadership mean to you? Well, it's an, it's an interesting thing because just a, a week or so ago, um, there was this internal thing at Microsoft where people were talking about leaders and leadership. Um, and I said, well, a leader is someone who people will follow. It's as simple as that. And it doesn't matter what position you're in, what title you have. Um, it's, a, it's a state of being. And it has to do with care and having a vision and a mission and a place, a direction you're going right? Mm -hmm. uh, you can't really be a leader if you're just kind of wandering through the woods, you know, who's going to follow that. Mm -hmm. So having a, having a solid direction and vision of where you want to go. And then of course, having some skills and abilities uh, to help you get there. And people will see that and go, oh, I, I like that mission. And he seems to have the ability. So I'm going to follow. So Leadership to me is having the skills and abilities that people want to follow, right? Mm -hmm. I want to dig more into the personal transformation. I and knew you were going to go back there. Because obviously I've, <laughs> I've been through similar, and I always think that we as leaders need to find that. And when we yeah. find that, that's when we can really – scale our impact so what was that journey like for you um well this is this is gonna go deep so yes in, please. Uh, so at the time let's see i was about 40 and at the time i was going through a divorce or i had gone through a divorce already so i have a, a daughter who's now what 27 and i was uh in a job i had a group that i had built you know and I was, a, I was leaving that group to do something else, right? And it wasn't, at first it was just a jump into the wind, but then I landed on this, oh, I'm going to train engineers how to be better engineers because I just, that appealed to me. Um, and I, it, through various things, ended up um, signing up to go live in India, all right? So on my way to India, I stopped in Hawaii where I have my, my best friend, um, and I just kind of hung out at the beach for a while, you know, and contemplated my life to date, right? Uh, so I just came to grips with, well, who am I? Um, I'm here on the beach. I'm, I'm quote, naked. You know, there's, there's no trappings around here. There's no one singing my praises. There's no house. There's no car. There's no bank account. I'm just sitting on the beach. Who am I? What do I stand for? What's my future? So, and of course, it's midlife crisis time. So I'm, I'm embracing, owning, owning my midlife crisis. Right? It's like you're not going to get the best of me. So, <laughs> I so I that. just, I decided at that time through reflection, um, I created what I call my life creed. 
So L-I-F-E. Oh. So L is um, learning. And these are the words that define my life. Like, how am I going to go forward? You know, am I just going to ping pong between um, opportunities or, or do I have some direction? What, what, are the, what are the guiding principles, right? So L is for learning. Um, I is for intentional. You know, I'm not going to be blown by the wind so easily. I'm going to, um, on a daily basis, be intentional about what I do, right? Mm -hmm. um, F is for fearless. Uh, I'm not going to be afraid to engage in whatever, right? Like right now we're talking, you know, it's, this is a thing that lots of people are going to listen to. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to share myself, you know? Now, fearless is not um, reckless. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. That's just reckless. Right, right. right. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I will be afraid of jumping out of a plane. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to be afraid of having a conversation like this where someone asks me, so what are you about, right? Yeah. Uh, and the last one, the E is empathetic. You know, it's like you can be fearless. And you, you can have your life. You can be a hermit and live in, in a cave somewhere and, you know, reach nirvana. Isn't that wonderful for you? What about the other people, right? So I have empathy. Um, and this goes with, well, if you had any superpower, what would it be? It's like, well, maybe it would be super speed like the flash, but empathy <laughs> as well, because that's what keeps you from being a criminal with your superpowers. Ah, so good. So I'm going to develop my superpowers, but I'm going to have empathy because I want to bring my fellow man along. Right. So that was my journey. It was a journey of personal discovery where, and it was, it was great that I have my, my bestie in, in Hawaii because we spent endless nights on the stars just talking about life, you know, and I came up with my life creed. And these are the words I live by daily now, every day, right? And that's what has guided me to become the leader that I am, right? And how would you describe that? The leader that you are? We talked about a little bit about knowing thyself and who yeah. you are as William, but as a leader, how would you describe yourself? Um, probably the easiest way is to be that uh, servant coach um, leader, right? I care yep. about the people that are around me. I'll give you an example. Just recently, within the last couple months, uh, I had an opportunity to, uh, I, went, I went to one of my um, mentors Says, so, you know, how can I help you in your current business, right? Says, oh, talk to that guy because he needs help. And I talk to that guy and he says, help this guy. He's got this team that's got all these new hires and he's kind of not floundering, but he's he's overwhelmed. He needs help. He needs, you know, and I'm a like 30 plus year veteran of doing engineering. It, it's in one sense, you could say it's beneath me to go and help a team of college hires, right? But on the other hand, wow, what a boon to have someone as experienced as me to help this group of college hires. Right? They're going to get the best education they can possibly get. Right. Right. Uh, so that's leadership. And what I tell the team is I'm here for you. I'm not here because I want to ship this product that we're working on. I've shipped a million times. That doesn't excite me. What it truly excites me is the opportunity to help you people become better engineers and learn the ropes. Because right now you're just a bunch of hackers, right? Yeah. But yeah. six months with me and you're going to be the best engineers in this group, right? Because i that's my mission. My mission is to help you. My mission is not to... Um, 
in great shape myself. It's like, I'm not, uh, maybe I get promoted, maybe I don't, that's irrelevant. So it's, it's not really for me. And that's a true leadership. I have a, I have a vision mission for them to become, you know, their next level. And that's what I'm doing. That's the kind of leadership that I'm giving them right now, right? Is to be that servant to just say, I'm here for you, right? That's leadership 2.0, as we call it, to the T, which is a beautiful thing when you really distill what you just said. Because when you just focus on optimizing that talent and helping those people grow and realize more of their potential, that product, the results of that product selling, that kind of takes care of itself, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, if I built an awesome team, of course, they're going to create awesome product. Right. So I don't have to focus on me. I focus on the people yeah. and they're going to develop into the best team. And then we're going to be the most capable to do anything. And then they're going to say, well, we want to keep working for you because you're an awesome leader, <laughs> right? Yeah, That's, that's totally. true leadership, right? Where people are just like, please never leave. <laughs> right yeah that should be the the response right they're begging you not to go i kind of yeah. feel like this has to connect to the leap program that you were referring to at the top of the show correct yeah. me if i'm wrong but maybe let's just start there um, what is the leap program all about and what mission are, are you on with that leap program okay so uh microsoft leap apprenticeship program as it's now called uh -huh. um, is uh, uh, it was started in 2015. Uh, so myself and my um, co-program creator, um, who was in HR at the time, oh, she's still in HR. Uh, I went to my um, my sponsor, if you will, and I said, you know, what kind of um, what kind of business challenges do you have? And he said, well, there's this whole diversity thing. And so I looked around the company and said, what are we doing, right? And it's like, well, we like most other companies at the time and still spend lots of money on what I call pipeline plays, uh, which is we spend millions of dollars on DigiGirls or um, uh, just various philanthropic or uh, K through 12 programs. What we don't spend a lot of money on is that gap, that, that connection between um, non-university CS degree talent and getting a job, right? We and everyone like us did, don't have anything in that space. We either, hold, we either hire from college or we hire from industry, right? And industry is 10 plus years experience in computer stuff and college is a CS degree in computer science. Those are the two camps, that's it. Beyond that, there's nothing, or there was. Leap jumps into that void and says, well, um, what about all these people who are moms who have CS degrees were in the industry, but dropped out to raise the family. So their ah, skills are seven years out of date. Um, love that. What about all these STEM degree people who are in other fields? What about that PhD in astrophysics um, who just so happens to have been working at a biotech lab? You know, what about that barista who has yeah. paid the last year to be uh, to hone her CS skills so she can be a web developer. What about all those people? Yeah. <laughs> right? And before Leap came along, we didn't pay attention to those people at all. Right? So Leap sits right there and says, let's get those people because if they were good at whatever it is that they were doing and they've 
done the work necessary to learn the um, the compute skills, let's give them a chance. They're probably awesome, right? Uh, so I had to set up a why it's an apprenticeship is we had to set up a program that essentially treats them like college interns because they missed that, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't come in through the college internship programs. We need to set it up. So I created this program that was uh, five weeks of in-classroom training to teach them how to be engineers at Microsoft. And then they go and uh, sit in an engineering team for about uh, 12 weeks. And so they're doing essentially what a college intern would do for 12 weeks. And then the team can say, oh, we'd like to hire you or not, right? So you're essentially creating an internship program outside the norm of the college internship program uh, and giving both parties a chance to check each other out, right? Like we got to check you out, but you got to check us out. Are we the culture for you? Are we, do you like the way we work? And if not, you can go somewhere else. Um, so that's what the program is. And it started in 2015. It's, it still runs today. I don't run it anymore. My co-creator does, and it's back in HR. Um, when we started, it was actually housed in engineering because um, that's how it became credible is like, oh, it was <laughs> created by engineers for engineers. You know, uh, yeah. if it was created out of HR, it, it wouldn't have fared as well at that time. Um, but now it's completely owned by HR. It's worldwide. We do cohorts in Africa. They just announced Ireland and we've done Canada, um, all over the U.S. And we just get all these people. Uh, it's like the way we we have diverse hiring, not the way. It's one of the ways that we have diverse hiring now. So, yeah, there you go. And it was it was a lot of um, I won't say that it was, you know, candy canes, cotton balls and roses the whole time. It was hard um, to get that change made or several changes made to our company to accept that this is a thing to do. Uh, but now it's like the talk of the town. It's the only thing we talk about. So it's the talk <laughs> of the town. It's federally accredited. It's industry driving. Other companies are now starting to copy it. So it's like, oh, great. Uh, job well done. <laughs> what was the resistance, if I may be so bold um, and curious, There's just all sorts of resistance. Anytime, just imagine, um, and this isn't unique to uh, Leap, anytime you have a a majority culture or a dominant culture and something is trying to change it, Mm -hmm. there's going to be resistance, right? Mm -hmm. And the easiest one to pick off is, well, we don't want to lower the bar, right? And in tech or any other field, lowering the bar is, is code for not like us, <laughs> you know? Right. So we don't want to let people in who aren't as skilled as we are because we're so skilled. It's impossible that anyone else could be as skilled <laughs> as us. You know, it's like, mm. Pump the brakes there. Talking about <laughs> talking about ego at the top of this show. Pump the brakes. Are you yeah. so sure? It's like, really? You're, you're really all that? Okay. That's you mean this person who has like five degrees? In, in really core deep science fields can't learn to program <laughs> okay yeah you're special um so that's one of them is just the bar but and really i've told many people this is that leap was about training our uh yes it was about hiring people but it's also about training our hiring managers how to look at people different mm-hmm. right as much as anything um because you're trying to show them, it's like, yeah, you can look at people that aren't from the top 15 schools with CS degrees, 
Um, you can look at people different and look at different attributes that they bring to the table. Uh, so things I had to do was change the interview process. You know, um, we really pushed on the whole interview them for fit, their collaboration skills, find out their problem solving and not just code me up a B tree on the whiteboard, which is a classic sort of CS um, <laughs> interviewing, right? It's like, who cares if they could code that algorithm? You can look that up on online. Do they know how to problem solve in general, right? Mm -hmm. Ask them something like, how many how many spoonfuls of dirt would would it be to move Mount Fuji? <laughs> you know, <laughs> something crazy like that, and see how they work through a problem, right? Um, another one was changing the job descriptions. All of our job descriptions in uh, tech roles to that point said CS degree required. Um, and I got that changed to say, we don't need that anymore, <laughs> right? So that's no longer a requirement typically. Uh, and then there was just resistance of, just practical resistance where people would have these interns and kind of be like, well, I was voluntold to do this. I'm not really into it. And just uh -oh. weaving the path of that's not a friendly group. Don't put them there. These guys are supporters, put more people there, you know, and just working through like, how do we evaluate the performance? And no, they're not college hires, but did you check how collaborative they are? And, you know, it's just educating us on how to um, think different. Right. So that was the resistance was just people kind of chafing against having to change. <laughs> right. At multiple levels, but now we're all into it. Now it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. But it was it was a lot of work for the first I don't know five years, and it's only been seven years. So, and you said it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. What was the mindset shift, or what are the results that you're seeing because of all this incredible work you've done? Well, some of it is is just simple anecdotal evidence where the hiring managers themselves, now that we've hired quite a few of these people, have seen the um, the out years, right? They are skeptical and and a bit with uh, a bit of trepidation in the beginning, but now that they've had these people for a couple of years, they're like, oh my god, my leapers are the most useful because they were professionals outside the company before they came in. They're not just college hires, right? They've had professional lives. They know how to work in teams. They know how to work with customers. Um, they've been promoted at, um, at the same pace, if not better, than the regular college hire um, people because they're demonstrating a tremendous value. In some cases, you can, like recently, we, we had this... Um, we have this new uh, sustainable shopping initiative or something or other. And it was a leaper who was hired as the designer for that thing. Right. So now you're getting to the point where enough leapers are in the place that you can say a leaper was the one that drove the creation of that thing. We wouldn't have had it if it wasn't for this person and their different perspective. Right. So it, it's <clears throat> in the very beginning it was hard um, we were fighting the battle of like, well, what's the what's the economic benefit of this this diverse talent? <laughs> it's like, really, really, uh, what's the economic benefit of that? Sorry, white guy over there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Why does he get it for free, and I have to prove it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? exactly. Um, but it turns out we are proving it because we're getting all these different perspectives that you can clearly say we would not have had this if it wasn't for that person right there that came through leap. 
Um, so that's happening now, seven years on. And also those people are getting into uh, hiring positions. So, you know, they've been seven years. Some of the oldest ones have been there for seven years. Um, so they're now becoming the hiring managers. So that gives you the each one teach one. You know, they're going to start hiring people that have different perspectives like they did. And then it's going to just keep blossoming, right? And as a company, we have now transformed. So um, there you go. Those are those are some of the, the positives, I think, that you can point to. And um, from my perspective, um, I knew that we wouldn't be able to hire enough people straight up. Like, really, you're going to hire, you'd have to be able to hire like 5,000 people. And it's <laughs> not going to happen. So you need to hire a few hundred who over time will become hiring managers, and then it'll grow exponentially. So we had to construct essentially a virus, <laughs> a social virus that would live long enough that it would have this um, uh, exponential effect over time, right? And that's what it's doing. I love that. And, and it's clearly like we're seeing this play out as well. And literally last night I saw a stat around how giving people purpose and meaning at work, which is something that we, I think we all feel it, right? But now Adam Grant has been able to put a return on investment around it and how they're 69% more engaged and how that leads to a hundred and it was like 173% higher profitability for the company. And so yeah. now we're starting to be able to draw those lines for at least the work that we're trying to push, which is the human being important instead of yeah. just the number. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to realize that um, you don't have an enterprise without humans, at least today. You know, maybe in another 20, 30 years, it'll all be robots and AIs and we'll be all sitting at the beach. But uh, <laughs> today, uh, it's the humans right? The humans that matter. And if you don't treat the humans, you just don't have the, the, the best organization. And we see this in COVID, I think, especially where we're all on screens. So plenty of people I know are like, I'm just talking to some screen every day, especially if people don't turn on the videos. It's, I could be talking to an AI. So it really matters what the culture is and how you connect um, when you're not talking business, right? Because you could just be in a stream of endless meetings all day long and get done and be like, I'm my my soul is aching. Yeah. Right? That 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 whole day was bereft of any um, social connection. I could be talking to any group of blips on the screen. They're no different. So what I did for my team, for example, is we met every morning, 10.30 a.m., 30 minutes, you know, not to check status, but to just be human and connect with each other personally. You know, it's like, hey, how are the riots in your city? <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we literally had things like that where one of my employees lived in downtown Seattle and he's like looking out his windows like, there's fires down there. Oh <laughs> you know? my goodness. And we would talk through it. It's like talking through the politics of our president, talking through George Floyd, talking through Black Lives Matter. We yeah. would do all of that 
Yeah. And now it's like we're a couple reorgs away from that group, but we still talk to each other, you know, we still go out to lunch because it's like, oh, I want to work with you, you know, and you don't get that if you don't care about the people, <laughs> right? You would just be status, status, status. Okay, see you tomorrow for more status, status, status. It's like, you're not going to have, no one's going to follow you in that for very long. <laughs> right. Well, certainly not now, right? Not now like, you got all these choices. <laughs> that's it. And that, that's what I want you to speak on. Because I feel like this has been one of the biggest silver linings of all this disruption, right? Is that yeah. we're hearing babies in the background over there. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got people knocking on my door over here. You know what I mean? It just, it humanizes us, doesn't it? Right. Even though we're talking through a computer screen, I kind of feel like that has been one of the biggest opportunities for growth buried in this adversity of the last two years now yeah. in this pandemic. It's like, what, what kind of leader t- are you? Exactly. That's exactly what I see too. And I know we've spoken about it a lot on this show, but I'm curious, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for growth in all this adversity? Oh, just being human. Um, I think I have right here. Oh yeah. Lucky you. So <laughs> uh, this is a piece of paper. And what I wrote on it, what I wrote on it was in the earliest days of the pandemic. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read some of it. Um, I wrote this down for me and my peer managers because we're all kind of struggling with, oh my God, how do we do this? Right. And so I wrote this. Uh, it's an 11 point plan, not plan. It's you'll see what it is. Um, but I wrote this thing to to tell myself that it's okay, right? So it's uh, 11 bullet points. The first one is, this is my first pandemic, (laughs) right? Um, This is not my first riotous time. This was post-George Floyd, but first time during a pandemic. (laughs) I've experienced riots before, Mm -hmm. you know, but never during a pandemic. Right. Um, I don't know how to manage under a worldwide crisis, right? I'm just making statements that are obvious to give us permission to say them out loud to each other and say, I don't know what I'm doing and it's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And it goes on with things like that. There's no playbook on how to manage during a worldwide crisis. It's okay that I don't have all the answers. Um, I work with awesome people and we can depend on each other and it goes on like that. So, you know, I, I wrote that and I shared it with my peers and some of them like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're all just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And I just said, it's okay. <laughs> no one knows how to do this. No one's what? done this before in modern times. Right. It's why, okay. Why do you right? feel like we need permission? Because of expectations, right? Both our own expectations and what the perceived expectations around us. Cause we're performance reviewed, right? Mm-hmm. Performance is like, oh, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I can't show any weakness, you know. I mean, there's a common sort of macho measurements of of almost anything, and it's just not applicable in this situation. If you've never been a leader during a pandemic, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You've never experienced this before. So, what's more important is how you lean into it, how you learn, how you. And in my particular case, I said, lean into your people. Mm -hmm. Right. That was the bottom line of all of this is like, um, I'm not good to anyone if I don't take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Right. These are not words that we as as you know, I'm speaking from a male perspective as macho engineering managers 
We don't talk like that normally. Where it's like self-care is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speak I'm gonna go on get it. A, I need a mani and a petty and I need to take a nap. <laughs> we don't talk like that, but it's what needs to be said and and uh, done. We need to show people it's okay to take Fridays off. Yeah. <laughs> right, know? right. Uh, it's, it's, it's important to re-energize. It's important to be connected to your family. It's like, yeah, the kids are in the background, work that in. Don't pretend like you don't have them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're not a pariah. They're the reason you work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what humanizes us. Like I said, I feel like it's been one of the greatest unifiers as we're talking about diversity and inclusion, right? Yeah. Like, like Include this the level. whole human. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> it's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, you got to like, include the whole human. And that starts with being human as a leader, first of all. It's like, well, are you human? Are you demonstrating? What do we call it? Model coach care. So are you modeling being human so that others can look at you and say, well, he's talking personal and he's taking vacation and he's obviously demonstrating self-care Okay, I'm me too. (laughs) Right? If you're just like, I am a robot, I am a stalwart, nothing has phased me, no pandemic has deflected anything, you know, I'm systems are all systems go. If you're like that, your team is going to be suffering emotionally Uh, and they will burn out and they'll leave. Right. You can't be like that. You have to demonstrate being human, particularly because we're all remote. Mm-hmm. Um, well, some are, some aren't. Um, because if you don't demonstrate human humanity, then people are going to wonder, it's like, well, why am I in this group? I could be in any nameless group led by a robot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to be in this group because they treat me like a human and they allow me to feel my emotions and be self-caring and take care of my family and all these things that are causing you angst and stress. Oh my God, the thing is due, but I got to take the kid to work to a school. Well, the robot will say, you should hire a nanny. Whereas the human leader who you want to work for is going to say, okay, well, we'll just reschedule around that. Or we don't need you on this. And we'll catch up later. You know, yeah. It's recognizing that we're all human and that I'm human and you're human and we care about each other. <laughs> Empathy. Mm. So back to my life creed, I care about you and I can put myself in your shoes. I can understand your situation. So yeah, let's deal with your situation and not just kind of pretend like you don't have a situation and you're a robot like me. <laughs> <laughs> I, right? I mean, I think you said it, William, right? Is And I come from the engineering world, not computer engineering, but mechanical engineering. And it is very much, you know, men doing physics or technical stuff. And yeah. we don't talk about our feelings and we just do. Like, how did you go about, like, obviously you've done a lot of self-work, but how did you go about, like, opening up that space for the folks on your team? Just by demonstrating it, right? I mean, by being vulnerable. Um, It takes a lot to open up emotionally and let people in to see your psyche uh, and your ego. And you're you're putting your ego out there. So it's you have to have enough strength and conviction that you're okay. Uh, with yourself 
so that you can, in fact, lay, lay your ego on the line and make yourself vulnerable. That's the key word, right? Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that's true for any relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Your best relationships are the ones where the, the two parties can be vulnerable with each other and not judgmental. So I had to just make myself vulnerable by sharing myself, my fears. You know, that's why I wrote the thing, right? It's like, look, here, I am vulnerable. Yeah. I don't know how to do this stuff. Do you? <laughs> and I'm not going to judge you if you say, no, you don't know how to do it either. So I'm vulnerable. I'm not judgmental. And I'm supportive. Like, oh, you have that fear too? Well, let me tell you how I'm dealing with it. Maybe that's helpful to you. And not being patronizing, right? I figured it all out. Why don't you just do what I say? You know, it's like, no, just listen. <laughs> listen reflect, tell them your story and let them find their own way. That's going to be the best combination, right? Uh, so that's that's how I've done it. I love it. This is so the silver lining that I see. But I'm curious, where does this land us in terms of the future of business? Because I kind of feel like that's what happened, right? Over the last yeah. two years, all the cracks in our leadership foundation, yeah. a strategy and mindset standpoint, right, have been exposed. Yeah. And you know, like you're saying, those who saw the opportunity leaned into it, and now they've been able to innovate or up level the skill sets of their leaders so that they understand how to lead in these human centric ways. Yeah. But, but yeah, where does this take us like five, 10, 20 years from now? What do you see out on the horizon based on all of that? Well, funny that because uh, in 2018, I wrote this paper called Workforce 2050. So I was looking 30 years ahead. Wow. (laughs) And I was, this was pre-pandemic and I was trying to, I was working in the office of the CTO at the time uh, at Microsoft. And I was trying to, I wrote this paper because it was a basis for why leap? Why any program like this? What is the future going to look like? What is the future workforce going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to be going to four-year colleges anymore because that's not sustainable. You know, right. it's, people are going to come from all over the place and tech is expanding. So people aren't just looking to work at Microsoft. I mean, they could be working in mining mm-hmm. and they're running robots <laughs> or designing yeah. the robots to do mining. So, and there's lots of automation there anyway. So the paper essentially said work is going to transform. The concept of the corporation that has a ton of employees, like Microsoft, 150, 60,000 employees, full-time employees. It's like, ah, that's not going to stand. Microsoft is going to be, and companies like Microsoft, are going to be concentrators uh, for contract work. You know, Microsoft is going to have a thing that needs to be done There's going to be all these people out here and groups and uh, consortia and whatnot who can do it. And and it's going to be beyond Tata consultancy. You know, it's going to be groups that are formed much more rapidly, much smaller, who and you know how capable they are based on the history of things that they've done. And I'm sure we'll have a way to measure that. And I'll say, here's a thing. A group of people will gather together, get the thing done and disband right? Here's a thing and disband. One group might say, we're into maintenance. We like maintaining software systems. They gather together and they maintain something for the next 20, 30 years, right? But they're not Microsoft full-time employees, right? And they change however they change. But these groups are, I think there's going to be, and this was following on the, the gig economy sort of thing. It's like, 
I think people are going to be more flexible, both in who they work for, how they work, because uh, we keep introducing like AI into the game. As a programmer who slams keyboards, that's going away, right? What's going to be more important in the future is how I as a human can interact with and leverage AI and other automation things to help get a task done. So you might find a team where someone has a requirement um, to create some sort of app. And the team that wins the contract is me, maybe another human who's a psychologist and an AI, right? We team up together and we nail that thing. And then we're like, all right, see you on the next job. And then we're off to the beach. So work is going to transform like that. It's guaranteed. And this whole like four-year college CS degree thing, no, done, <laughs> right? It's already becoming irrelevant. It's like, I could care less whether you have a CS degree. Um, what I care about is your problem solving, your empathy, your understanding of human factors, blah, 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 blah. Um, if you've got a college degree to do that, great, fantastic. But these other people also have those skills and I got them sooner. I didn't have to wait four years to get you. So that's going to change, <laughs> right? And people, you know, I've said this to people, and they're like, oh, you're, you know, no, no way, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, the march of technology is what it is. <laughs> AI is a thing. It may not be like, oh, when's a, when's a computer going to act like a human? It's like, who cares? It can already program, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to continue. Uh, it doesn't have to be a human. That's why we need humans. That's why we need psychologists and psychiatrists and philosophers and religious people in the mix because we don't want the machines to kill us, right? <laughs> so we need to keep imbuing them with, for the human, for the human, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh you don't want God. your self-driving car to throw you off a cliff because you become no longer useful to society. It's like, no, 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 for the human. <laughs> How do we teach these AI machines empathy? That's the big Exactly. Challenge, right? That's the key one right there is yeah, empathy. Yeah, 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 and yeah, if yeah. not empathy, a bunch of rules that say, <laughs> don't kill the humans. Yeah. <laughs> Take care of yourself, but don't kill the humans. <laughs> oh, my God. My mind is just so expanded and yeah so that's the future of work is like yeah it's just gonna not be what we have today at least in in the fields that are highly automatable mm -hmm. right which is going to be everything yeah right um, anything you can think of it's like no certainly you know that's not automatable it's like really you want to make that bet <laughs> <laughs> watch it so, happen so 2050 yeah and COVID actually accelerated it. It's like, I don't think it's 2050. It's 2040 or 2030. Mm -hmm. um, all that stuff I wrote was like, when I wrote it, people were like, whatever. It's like, and then COVID happened and half the stuff happened. <laughs> like the remote part of it. It's like, yep, yeah, yeah. it's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, this great resignation thing kind of proves that theory, right? Because, yeah. yeah. We'll see how much we snap back to old modes but yeah. I think we're, I think we snapped the rubber band um, because like even at Microsoft, we're, we're now waking up to the reality that, well, you have to get talent wherever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot bring everyone to Redmond, <laughs> Washington. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's done. I mean, not only is the housing too expensive, but people just sort of like, no, I don't want to go there. Sorry. Mm -hmm. My family and community is here. I'm staying here. But if, mm -hmm. if you want to employ me, there's 10 other companies here already that are doing tech. Mm -hmm. 
I'm fine. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it goes right back to what we just said, is that now we've discovered the humanity in work, right? And right. so I just know as a mom, I've enjoyed picking my daughter up from school where I was usually trapped in the concrete jungle downtown. I couldn't right. get to her in time. Like, that has been Yeah, something. and it just causes you angst, right? It's like, why do you need that? Just... Stay home. <laughs> Meet with your colleagues for lunch, you know, because otherwise you're just sitting in some faceless, nameless building doing monkey work. You know, it's like, why do you have to do that? It's not needed. The answer is you don't, right? Don't. I mean, Ro- we just Rob- proved it. <laughs> Rob and I have never even met in person before, if yeah. you can believe that. But yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to riff on, right? On this show over the last two years is like, this was the future, but now the future has arrived. So it's right. time to adjust our mindsets, right? Yep. Challenge all those assumptions that we previously held. Yep. Because and leadership's the- different, right? It's like you can't rely on just walking the halls and checking out butts and seat and <laughs> saying, I'm a strong leader. It's like, really? Not if you don't have empathy, you're not, you're not going to make it. Someone else who's more in tune with the humans that they employ is going to be better than you. Right. Oh my gosh, I love that last robot part. managers. Yeah. There, we're, we're seeing are. the demise of robot <laughs> manager. <laughs> so we'll just mail it in. You, you did touch on it a little bit, but what do you want your legacy as a leader to be? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, several things, I suppose. All those leapers that have continued to be hired, I I want them to just do what they do because they're also causing intergenerational wealth development. You know, there's several people that send me emails like, you changed my life. You know, I got this new path. My kids now get to go to school, blah, blah, blah. That's all fantastic because it's good for society. Um, And I just want to have more people. I want to take it up, step it up a notch and do the next level of that, which is just empowering more people to be able to create their own companies uh, and not just get employed at Microsoft um, because their uh, intellectual property, um, well, their intellect in general will blossom even more as they create new ideas and new companies and get acquired and become millionaires. And, you know, it's like, I want more people to have an equity share in the world. Um, And I often say, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, not if you don't have a boat. So let's build more tech boats (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. so that we can have more people rise instead of drown. Um, Because I just look at the the disparities and the, I won't even say inequity, just the disparity between the super wealthy and the rest of us. And they're they're reaching escape velocity, literally, you know, Musk and his, his rockets. And it's like, well, they're all driven by tech. So let's get as many people into tech boats as possible because that's what's driving wealth in the world today, right? That's that's what I want my legacy to be is people look back, you know, fondly and say, that guy helped us get up to the next level, right? Intergenerationally. That's what I'm after. Oh my gosh. We're so aligned, William. We are so <laughs> aligned. I, I love this interview. This is why... Rob and I started this show. We started the show at the start of the pandemic just to show up in service to what people were trying to navigate. And we had resources that we could help them with, right? To be able to to not only navigate and and just even sustain themselves through all of that adversity. But the real play behind that mission for us is that we saw this in terms of a seam. 
that needed to be ripped wide open, right? We've been saying leadership 2.0 is coming, leadership 2.0 is coming. That's Ooh, hard. Here. But <laughs> I just was going to say, our whole mission is to, 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 to do that because we, we want to change the game, right? Yeah. We want to change the way the game is being played forever based on this moment of history. Yeah. So, and I had the same attitude as like, oh, wait a minute. As soon as we went home, you know, it was for us, it was April of um, 20, whatever, 2020. Uh, as soon as we went home, I thought, okay, um, we're not going back into the office. This is before we were talking about vaccines, but we're not going back into the office until there's a vaccine. I can tell because otherwise there was no reason to go home in the first place. Mm -hmm. So until a vaccine shows up, we're not back in the office and that's going to take at least a year. And it did. So let's take advantage of this opportunity to drive a truck through <laughs> that says, let's do this stuff different. <laughs> right? Yes. While the, like you said, there's a seam, let's rip it open and say, hey, there's a new way. There's a different way of doing this. And it doesn't yeah. have to be as onerous as that old way, which wasn't working for most of us. Uh, let's change the game. Right. And so I'm in, I'm in the same line as you. Let's, We're in the same boat on that one. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> absolutely. Let's change that game. Now, William, if anyone's listening and they want to connect with you, where can they find you? I have a website, um, william-a-adams.com. Um, and I do stuff on Twitter and LinkedIn, and you'll see other media content there. And I have a blog and stuff like that. But that's that website points to all the other stuff. Perfect. So we'll drop that in the podcast notes along with your LinkedIn. Um, for us, obviously, if you enjoyed this interview, and I love this one, and I want to talk more about the future of work another time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, pass this interview along to the leaders in your life. And also hit subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. And obviously, for all leadership development, high-performance mindset, psychological safety, and more, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com for all of that. Now, Susan, is there anything you want to leave us with today? Just thank you, William. Thank you so much for helping us make this case. This is really, obviously, what we're passionate about. We say your highest yeah. potential is our passion, and we want to unleash it together but yeah, I kind of feel like you're right. Rising tide lifts all boats. We're, we're in this thing together, folks. Dream uh, Teamwork makes the dream work. So please, please, please follow along. If you share this with your friends, help us spread this ripple effect as far and wide as we possibly can. I kind of feel like that is the best strategy to take us where we need to be as a human family. <laughs> yeah, that's important, right? We're a human family. And if mm. we support each other, we're going to have a good time. If we don't, that's we're going to tear each other down. That's, re that's really silly. That's really, that <laughs> is the bottom line right there. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> I love it. And for me, I'll leave everyone with a quote. Um, and it's from Socrates. Mm. And he said, the secret to change is to focus all of your energy, not fighting the old, but on building the new. Yeah. William, thanks. thank you so much for joining us. And obviously, we'll have to have you back on and talk more about the future of work. 
Yeah, we can do it and we can do a show in 2040 and see how we did. (laughs) (laughs) Rewind the game tape. (laughs) Yeah, let's see how the predictions turned out. Right? (laughs) I hope so. And everybody listening, thank you so much. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone.